You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hello, listeners. Do you love this show? Are you thinking to yourself, man, it's so great that Holly gets all this free content for us to enjoy. I wonder if there's any way that I could support her and help her to create even better content. Well, you can. And I'm going to actually give you something in return for your support. By joining my Patreon at patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered, not only will you be supporting this independent endeavor, which is my podcast, but you will also get all kinds of super cool perks that are available exclusively to members of my Patreon. That means that you will be able to watch my interviews live as they happen and therefore access them way before everybody else does. You will also be able to get signed prints from my guests. You'll be able to access exclusive bonus content such as My LA Porn Life, the podcast that I do with my production manager, Eva, as well as some exclusive interviews that I do on set with some of the biggest stars in the industry. There's so much at my Patreon for you to enjoy, and I would absolutely love it if you would just go give it a peek, see if it might be worth a couple bucks for you to support the show that you love so much. So go to patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash hollyrandallunfiltered. Hi, I'm Holly Randall, and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer, Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind-the-scenes stories. The funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. This podcast has been a godsend to me in so many ways. One of them is that the practice of sitting down with different people and actually listening to them often challenges internal biases I wasn't really aware that I had. Case in point, my guest today, male porn star Michael Vegas. Michael is a very popular and strong performer. I've worked with him many times and he's never let me down. The girls love him. But Michael has a kink, one that he's only recently become very open about. See, Michael loves to be pegged by women. Now, if you don't know what pegging is, well, it's basically when a woman dons a strap on and fucks a guy in the ass. That's pretty much the best way to describe it. Most of us would associate this kind of sexual activity in something like a femdom scene where the man was being degraded and emasculated. But Michael approaches this very differently In his pegging scenes, he often continues to play the dominant role, demanding and instructing the woman to penetrate him. 
Now, if this sounds like it's impossible to imagine as dominant behavior, he reminds me that you can definitely have a femdom scene where the woman insists that her submissive male partner fucks her. I've seen it before and it makes sense in this scenario. So really the part of the equation that makes this idea difficult to reconcile is that a man could actually want to be anally penetrated and yet still retain his masculinity. So what this episode with Michael had me thinking about was not only why I always considered pegging to be an emasculating act, but also what exactly is our idea of masculinity and is it perhaps a bit too rigid? You know, we almost always talk about women on this podcast, the unrealistic societal pressures, the unfair and inflexible way we are pigeonholed into a very particular ideal of what femininity is. But what about men? I think that sometimes we lose sight of the very real and very similar social structures imposed upon them. And talking to Michael brings me back to the realization that perhaps so many of our problems around sex today isn't the big bad patriarchy, but us in general. And I mean all of us. And the only thing that's going to change us is us. Forgive me if I sound super dramatic. I mean, it seems that I'm using a conversation of pegging as a jumping off point for a grand epiphany around the dilemma of social norms and how it boxes us into corners of shame and self-loathing. But then again, why can't it be? If Michael can make me think twice about how I see men's sexuality, maybe he can do the same for you. I think that it's something definitely worth thinking about. So... Let's welcome Michael Vegas to Holly Randall Unfiltered. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to finally have the one and only Michael Vegas in the studio. Hooray, me! Wearing his signature tracksuit. You wear tracksuits a lot, right? That's not just my imagination. You know what? I got this tracksuit because I was told that I would need it for a movie. Fortunately, I, I didn't, so I didn't have to sacrifice it to the movie. And once I put it on, it changed my life. <laughs> I realized that I my mind was not truly living in a leisure state. <laughs> until I donned this attire, right? And so like, whew, maybe I'm relaxed and everything's gotten better. So you're literally like dressing the part. Yeah. Do you have, is this your only tracksuit or do you have several tracksuits? I have several tracksuits. That's what I thought. I feel like I've seen you in a multitude of colored tracksuits. Yeah, you, you know, I've been, I've been collecting them, but wait till you see the, uh, and it's not just tracksuits. Um, I have also donned the jumpsuit lifestyle. <laughs> So, you know, sometimes you can't be bothered with two pieces of clothes. So you just. Well, and here's the thing, too. With both situations, you do not have to worry about mixing and matching a top and a bottom. Your choice has been made for you. Mm -hmm. They say that um, the most intelligent people are the ones who dress the same every day because they have other things to put their mental resources into besides their wardrobe out. Mm. choices that sounds like somebody that didn't know how to style themselves <laughs> bill gates apparently was one of those people oh wait no the other guy who's the other guy i uh, it's steve my jobs. point thank you steve jobs <laughs> yeah. 
Wow. And I just demonstrated my, um, my intelligence there by forgetting. I was like, who's the other smart guy that like works he's, with those computer things? Nah, he's dead. He's out. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> You're also sporting a new facial hair situation. Anyway, this is the first iteration of this mustache. When I was 33, I was finally able to grow. Like I was finally able to connect up here to down here. So yeah. I was like, fuck yeah, mustache. <laughs> and then 34, I was able to grow like full beard. Mm-hmm. Now I'm 35 and like, I've, I, like I've done a bunch of different modes of facial yeah. hair now. And so I'm, yeah. like, I'm just going to do like a regular guy mustache. Yeah. It's like, so I started shaving off my beard. It's like, yeah, I'm going to cut it all off. I'm going to, oh shit, you handsome devil. <laughs> Well, I mean, here's the thing, like you guys are lucky in the sense that you can create all these different looks and characters simply by shaving your facial hair. I remember I had a boyfriend who had like a full beard and he would, you know, shave it from time to time. And it was actually quite funny because he went into the bathroom and he'd shave like some part off and then he'd come out as that character. And then he'd go back in and he'd shave more off until he had a different like look and then he'd come out as that character. It was like, it was actually really hilarious. The key is to like save chunks so you can put it back on and really confuse people. Well, you've always had a really unique style. I, I remember once, didn't was it the white party that you wore the panda outfit to? Oh, yeah, it's actually in my car right now. Is it? Yeah, so you still to, have the panda outfit. I'm going to a really weird photo shoot after this, and so it's going to be one of my. But yes, I I do have the panda outfit. I love it. It is a it is a. I have a picture of you with panda outfit. It's a classic. Do you know what they made me put a shirt on underneath that already hot ass jacket because my nipples were showing? Yes, I think I remember that. It's funny the uh, the standards that the that Las Vegas tries to put on people. Yeah, yeah it's not beach rules. Uh, apparently, in Las Vegas, nipples and alcohol cannot exist simultaneously. Yes, that's true. Also, um, well, uh, in other states, it's bush and alcohol, right? In, in uh, where was it? In Kentucky, about, like, strip in club rules. Indiana or in Kentucky? Oh, I, I so. My God, from going on tour with Stormy, I saw so many strip clubs, right? Yeah. Strip clubs I never thought I would see, like, big ones and, like, tiny little ones in the yeah. middle of nowhere. And there are just some outrageous rules for, like, okay, you you can, like, look at the dancer, but, like, not directly in the eye while she's putting her merkin on. You can touch, but only if you use the cold, sweaty part of your glass. Like, it's just, like, like who... What is this keeping people safe from? Come on. <laughs> well, I guess when there's, you know, naked women and men and testosterone and alcohol involved, all, all kinds of crazy things can happen, I suppose. Well, Jesus isn't turned on if you if you can't see your nipples, so it's fine. <laughs> so what have you been up to lately? You've been working a lot. I have been working a lot. I... Uh, decided to take the reins of my own career. And yeah, own you're self-representing now? Self-representing, and that has allowed me to expand my mind to follow the pursuit of projects that I started. So instead of like always trying to keep space for when my agent was going to call me and fill in something, it's mm-hmm. like, no, make your own work. So mm-hmm. I started making my own work and like doing more of what I wanted, which was great. So um, what are these what are These, these things, the, the project that I actually got started years ago when I bought the domain peghim.com. Ah, yes. yes. Ah, yes. Um, I bought it and I sat on it because I was like, God, I can't believe nobody bought that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So I had it for a couple of years and I was like trying to figure out what to do with it. I shot a little bit of content for it. Never really could like get it going, but I knew it was like it was there. And I had, you know, the 
landscape of the adult film business was changing so much that it's like, I don't want to just try to build a business on top of quicksand. Mm-hmm. It's not a smart thing to go. And so like, don't just crumble from the beginning and waste your efforts and feel burnt out on it. Mm-hmm. Hold off till 2017. When I started Paycom.com officially and launched the website. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great. I have, you know, our hashtag is butts let's united. <laughs> and I it's love just, it. all, it's a mutual power exchange, love of all things anal. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I watch sites like everything, but, and I would watch the evil angel videos and there's like all these people doing cool things with their butthole and cool tricks and like big wide lenses and shiny holes and things like, like, God, I loved it. It was the kind of porn that I watched, but mm-hmm. there was also this love of pegging and this love of my own butthole that I had developed, um, you know, started doing anal at age 16, 35 mm-hmm. now. And so I had, I had developed this like comfort within my own space, but there was no pornography that truly reflected what I wanted to see. Right. And being the exhibitionist that I am and being the, you know, I love creating content and creating media. And so like, I also love like part of how I started doing this. I love seeing what my butthole does. It's crazy. <laughs> it's insane. If anybody hasn't seen it, go check it out. Well, you're mad. Um, so where did you, okay. So let's start from, you said when you were 16. When I was 16. Yes. Yeah. So how did you discover your like definitely someone in an AOL chat room was like, Hey, you're jerking off. You should try touching your butthole too. And I was like, thanks. Definitely woman on the other side of the internet. <laughs> I will do that. Definitely. So, a woman. <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, you know, I was like, well, I'm sitting there masturbating to whatever I was imagining at the time and, you know, put a finger in my butthole. Should spit on it first. Learn that the next time. <laughs> And I was like, it was like, cool. It it was like this thing to do with my butthole that wasn't just weird and surrounded with uncomfortable stomach feels because I'm lactose intolerant and like didn't know that for most of my life. And so I always said like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so much, so much shame and discomfort surrounding like digestion and yeah. intestines and buttholes. Yeah. So like before your butthole had only been a place for discomfort yeah. and for expelling discomfort. And mm-hmm. so this was kind of a new way to experience your butthole. Yes. I this is it. something that I didn't realize till way later on yeah. in, in life, but it's like, oh, that was going on. Cool. Yeah. So then, so where did, how did it progress from there? So from there, uh, I, you know, before I did the straight side of adult films, I did gay films. Mm-hmm. Um, I did about eight movies and is in this point in my life where I was like, I'd had a bunch of terrible relationships with women. I was like, I'm going to go be gay. It's just like, maybe I'm like, I keep hurting women and like, that's not cool. I don't want to be that person. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to be a woman. I'll go try having sex with guys hmm. and see if that like works out. And like, but like the weirdest thing for me is like, I don't want a guy to fall in love with me. Like that's like, that's not what I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. So it was like a sexual thing. So there it was, was a no sexual emotional thing. Connection. So like I wanted to, let's give it a shot before I like go break someone else's heart. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what I'm really trying to avoid here. Right. So I went and had a bunch of gay sex and I was like, nah, that's not it. But like the first shoot that I ever did, did do wasn't mm-hmm. actually a gay shoot. It was a pegging shoot for mm-hmm. the gay company. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that moment with me, Leilani, and at that point, I was like, yeah, okay, that was super cool. I love that. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's keep that going in my life. Um, so I did that in shame and hiding for many, many years. Mm-hmm. It was finally when I got into adult films that I was able to safely express that view among other people. Mm. Be like, okay, like, I know you guys do weird stuff on the internet too. Like, I like my 
<laughs> like, like what? That's not, that's not even weird. Get out of here, kid. Yeah. Um, so you found a place that was accepting of what right. you felt was like a shameful sexual kink. Right. And when you can normalize this shameful thing in your life over and over and in front of people and you can talk about it, it becomes less shameful and you can own it as part of you. And then ultimately you can get what you want when you're comfortable talking about what you want. Mm-hmm. So it was like this perfect thing for you to discover because it was you like being penetrated but you're being penetrated by a woman because you have that emotional right. connection what, with what women I, that you don't is, have with men. It has been so many years trying to like figure out my own sexuality and figure out like what it is that Michael Vegas likes and mm-hmm. what it is that I truly want. Like, I've had sex with men, I've had sex with women, I've had sex with trans people, I've had and I've tried it. Mm-hmm. What I seem to have discovered is that I don't like male sexual energy directed at me in my personal space. Mm. And so like if if we're in arm's reach away, like you can sit there and you could jerk off of me and like I love being adored. So I like that like energy and attention at me from everybody, all sexes, anybody that wants to adore me. Mm-hmm. I like naked people, some as someone with a camera, like I want to sexualize all bodies. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think people are beautiful and weird and interesting in their own way. And I just like I love humans and mm-hmm. so like they're all great to me. Um but the the way that male sexual energy directed at me mm. in my personal space is not something that feels comfortable to me. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And yeah. so like that's, and that's why I can do like, I can DP people. Like I can stick my, like my, let my dick touch another dick and like put mm-hmm. it in a hole because that is not being like pointed at me. Yeah. It's towards the girl. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah I, I'm actually on the flip side um, of you. I, you know, think women are beautiful, but I'm not attracted to them at all. And I had this conversation actually with Carla Cush on my podcast because I can't come from penetration. Mm-hmm. I can only come from like clitoral stimulation. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, well, then how are you not like into girls if that's how you get off? But I was, it's like, I like male sexual energy. That's what I enjoy. I enjoy that directed at me. I don't enjoy female sexual energy like Personally, it doesn't do it for me. Um, I think women are objectively beautiful and I can obviously look at them and photograph them naked and and think that they're amazing, but there's just nothing about their sexual energy that I'm interested in. Even if I find the woman that, the women that I have found that I'm like remotely attracted to, there's like a little inkling there are generally more masculine type women. Mm -hmm. They, they have that more masculine energy. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's definitely like, it's the energy for me that I'm attracted to. Yeah, exactly. So how, how was you, like, how did you come out about pegging? And I mean, now you're very open about it and you have uh, a big website around uh, so it. So the way it all started and it's like, I, I didn't know, you know, I was trying to create a certain type of look and a certain aesthetic for pegging.com mm-hmm. to like, not make it just looks like another guy with a camera trying to get butt fucked in a hotel mm-hmm. room sort of thing. Like I wanted it all to have like this glamorous upscale feel to it Mm -hmm. sort of like just a vibe and it originally how this all started out was i went by the gape gatsby on tumblr (laughs) fuck off Uh, oh that is such a good name (laughs) do you have the url Uh, the gapegatsby.com belongs to me oh my god that is the best thing i've ever heard (laughs) oh i would wear that on a shirt Uh, it's all coming 
it's all coming. I just keep I just keep branding things and making oh, that's Snickers. so good. Okay, sorry. I'm also a big fan of F. Scott Fitzgerald, and I love the book. So I was a literature major. So that Super is just right that is great to me in all the fronts. <laughs> Go on. So the Gape Gatsby was an anonymous whole blog on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. God rest its soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, part of part of my shticks, I'm an exhibitionist mm-hmm. and I like showing off what, like, I don't know if you've seen it, my butthole really does crazy things. Yeah, I, try to, I try to explain it to people, but then they get there and do it. And they're just like, you can see their, that's part of my, one of my favorite things. You look on the scenes and you see these people making this like shocked face at Cameron. It's like, it's very genuine. Cause they're just like, how does he fit it all in there? Yeah. Um, Anyway, so getting the, you know, trying to feed the little monster inside me that loves that enjoyment and that adoration, I found that I could do it on Tumblr. And because it's not about my handsome face, I'm already, I was already getting praise for that on, on, uh, and, and it's not about my dick because like, yeah, like, I know I already got that attention. Like I already yeah. achieved that. And, yeah. and like, this is what I wanted specifically. And so I made it just about the butthole mm-hmm. and I, I started getting so many guys messaging me and being like, Hey man, I'm straight too. But I like me too. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for like making this feel like a normal thing and talking about it like this. And like, I would provide people with information on like how to clean out, like what toy selection, like just really, there's not a lot of great information out there. That's like, yeah, these people are seem to know what they're doing and it seems to be doing safe practices surrounding the whole thing, like making it work. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was just sharing information and I had a really big following on Tumblr. And I was like, okay. There's so there's, a, there's, there's an enough, audience out there's there. There's enough audience there that I decided I will be brave first because I know all of these guys that like to do butt play stuff. And like they'll, they'll tell me and like people will tell me. Um, it's like, yeah, you know, I was playing with so, so, so. And he was doing this, like, you know, people will share the information with me. Cause like, I'm not going to out anybody. And I know, like, I know their shame that they were living in. So like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to force them out in that time, but I will come out and try to inspire by being brave and putting my face to this act that was so often ridiculed and considered gay. Mm-hmm. And how has that been for you? It's been great. <laughs> live your truth and you will live the dream. <laughs> It's it's really been wonderful. I have gotten so much positive response and so much of the, you know, as someone that has grown up in the 90s and called a million different things gay without actually trying to knock down any sexual orientation or identity, it's just like, it was just a slang, but like it imprints on you and you say these things mm-hmm. and like, like, that's gay, man. That's stupid. Like, don't be a fag. Yeah. It's like horrible things that I would say out loud, but they, they stick on you too. And it's like, then I want to go do some stuff that I once called gay mm-hmm. or I once do this. And it's like, man, I have to get over this, my own voice in my head telling me to yeah. not do it. And like the voice also like trying to ridicule like people out of a circle or out of a friend group for being different or liking something different. It's like, mm-hmm. you've got to just defeat all those demons in your head mm-hmm. to finally be able to do it. And yeah. I just, I just told them all to shut the fuck up and I did it anyway. And like, ah, oh, it's the most freeing thing ever. And what it really gets you is when you can have this comfort talking about what you want, you can actually get it. Mm. And, oh, oh, this is something I'll plug. Peghimtonight.com. Mm-hmm. Peghimtonight.com is a dating website where you can. Oh, yeah. Add, you started out yeah, with Susie, where you right? You can add um, pegging to like your list of fetishes that you want to go for. And it's like, I people ask me all the time, like, how do you get this? Like, how do you get all these women to come do this? It's like, I just ask. 
Mm-hmm. Like then they're really excited to go do it. Mm-hmm. But because I talk about it with confidence and excitement, I can make it happen because they're, they don't feel that shame that I'm like trying to put on them. They yeah. feel excitement and joy and like right. when I'm giving to them. They, they feel like a lot of people don't want to go like feel bad about themselves in an alley or shame someone for feeling bad about themselves mm-hmm. in an alley. That's like, that's not the power dynamic that a lot of women are trying to seek in in doing this. And mm-hmm. the other thing that I, that is going on with this website, pegum.com, uh, is that I'm trying to show women, it's like, you don't have to not be the bottom either. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, uh, you can, you can fuck a guy, you can fuck your boyfriend, husband, sexual partner in the butt with a strap on, and he can still be telling you what to do. Mm. Right, so he can still hold he's that still, power dynamic. He still holds the power dynamic, and it's like just because I like to get fucked in the butt doesn't mean that I don't want to tell you what to do at all other times and like be in control of you because I'm your daddy. Take that, mm-hmm. but like, like if you're if you're a woman that's a dom, you want to get fucked in the vagina. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't just stop being a dom all of a sudden. Yeah, that's you just true. Need to get fucked in the vagina. That's you have true. a hole that needs pleasing. Like that's how you get it done. Yeah. So same thing. It's like. Guys, you don't have to. You don't have to become submissive all of a sudden. You don't have to become a sissy. You don't have to be shamed about it. So, when you can start seeing pegging in that light, and you can talk about it more, and then you can find places like peggingtonight.com. Go there right now and sign up. <laughs> um, then you can start building this community, like I said that I did, around people that you can talk about it with. When you can talk about it comfortably, you will, you know, the people in your life that would have shamed you around it, you will find that you see less of because you're not putting them yourselves around these people that like don't understand you and don't want to cultivate the things that you cherish mm-hmm. in your life. And so, like, it's great. Like, it's it's scary because you're like, oh man, I'm gonna like I'm gonna lose all my friends and these people will ostracize me from my community. It's like, you mean you don't you want to really be part of this community that is going to make you feel bad for who you want to be in your life? Yeah. What if you built another community or joined or found a community that existed where you, they love you that way? Mm-hmm. You don't have to feel the shame. You don't have to like hide and you can like. And you can provide that place for other people. You can provide, provide the place for other people. In yeah. You know, it's really interesting with you talking about how you can be pegged and not lose that, that power dynamic. Cause I, I'll admit from like my own you know, naive standpoint, I, I would have assumed the same thing. Oh, well, if you are fucking a man with a strap on, then automatically he's a submissive and you're the dominant. Mm-hmm. And I very much like to be the submissive in bed. I don't like to really ever play the dominant with right. a man. So I never would have considered that. But now it's so clear to me that obviously that doesn't have to be the case because you're absolutely right with the female dom. She can demand that a man fuck her a certain way and she it doesn't take away from her power. But right. for some reason, I never considered that with a man. It's because there hasn't been porn there to teach us that yet. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And this is why it's doing so well. Yeah. It's because it's a product that didn't exist yet. Mm. And like, like it'll, it'll come. People will catch up. Yeah. But the the level of openness to the level of extremeness and then the power dynamic i think has created really something special yeah it's been going so well so i and so speaking of that i want to talk about the scene that you did for adult time yes um something rock ghost, ghost rocket. rocket ghost rocket i'm like pock, not pocket rocket no that's not right ghost rocket with Cherie deville yes who's great you know i love her She's and so um 
And so it's a scene. Well, tell us, tell us what the scene's about. Okay. So first I'll tell you why I chose Cherie DeVille. Um, because, you know, as the bottom, I got to, I got to pick my talent. Um, and was this your concept or was this breeze or was this something that you guys came with together? It was something that we, we came with together. Okay. And, you know, I didn't, it wasn't, I didn't write the concept of the scene, Mm -hmm. but the, the switch up was Mm -hmm. something we worked on together. Um, Sharita Ville, you look back in the days of Gabe Gatsby when I still wasn't showing my face, she was one of the first people. And when I posted that content on Pornhub, it, the video got over a million views. I bet it did. And so I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Like I see, I see this game. This, mm-hmm. is, this was the start. And so like her, her vibe and motivation and everything around it was just like, she's yeah. perfect. She never, she already knows. Yeah. She's, and, 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 and like on top of that, what an incredible performer in person. She's yes. Sure. is fearless. Um, and so the scene ghost rocket is, God, I can't even remember the character's name at this point, Simon or something like that. Yeah. Um, but this guy is just a weird conspiracy theorist that's like probably an incel. And you play him so well. <laughs> it's like, so great. He's a creepy bastard lives inside me somewhere. <laughs> anyway, just weird conspiracy alien hunting stuff. And I go out and I try to capture signals from the ghost rocket and prove its existence. And it seems like a failed experiment until I'm driving home. And all of a sudden there's an alien that shows up that's Shreedville. Like she... You know, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm going to die. And she comes over to the car, gets in the car, obviously, because B-movies, love them. Mm-hmm. Um, so take her back to my breeding grounds or breeding pot or something like mm-hmm. that, which is just my really shitty, trashy room where I like, I'm like knocking cans off the thing. And she's like, you know, basically says, like, I want you to breed with me. I'm like, okay. So it's like this hesitant, like. Like I've never had sex as a as a human being, or like very little, I would assume, as yeah. this character. And but like now I have this super like hot space babe that I'm supposed to have sex with. So I'm, like, <laughs> I'm gonna impress this chick. It's gonna be cool. So like I timidly kind of get into it. Like I get in, and I fuck her really well. I was like just feeling good about it, right? Like as a character and as a person. Then she's just like, nah, that wasn't it. Let me tell you what I need. And so like, I, at that point in time, I had turned over to take a sip of energy drink that I was just pounding for the entire movie. And she grows her space dick and, deci- <laughs> <laughs> and decides to fuck me in the ass. Um, and we got this really cool uh, bad dragon toy that's like this alien dick. Yeah. Matched the outfit. And she fucked me. And I did a really good extreme anal strap on scene with so like, it's just a switch up scene and like, I don't know. People can say what you want, but like watch that scene. <laughs> it's great. And, and I was, I was looking at it earlier today and I was looking at all the comments on the scene and a lot of people really enjoyed it. There was a lot of positive feedback, which um, surprised me a little bit because, you know, the the comments on Adult Time are definitely, yeah, uh, no, they say uh, what they no think. There's no Siskel and Ebert on the comment section. Over yeah, there. yeah. I mean, so this this show has a channel on Adult Time and I go in there sometimes and I read the comments and there's like one guy in particular and he's probably going to watch this video and comment about it, but he hates the fact that there are interviews on adult time he comes on every single video and he fucking complains and says like this doesn't belong on a porn site 
Needless to say, there's thousands of other videos and multiple updates a day that you could go watch. But like, he's got to come on every single one and be like, this sucks. In case this guy's listening, (laughs) please tell us what you would like to see in place of a interview. Yeah, I don't know. He, I, I can guarantee you that he doesn't actually watch the interviews. He just sees the update, goes on, and complains. But what I'm saying is that people say what they want to say, and Adult Time doesn't remove comments that are negative. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there weren't many negative comments at all, that most of them were positive, and people were saying, you know, finally there's some content like this on this channel, shows like what you experience from your Tumblr blog mm-hmm. and your Pornhub um, video that, you know, there's people out there that are interested in this kind of thing. Yeah, I, I've gotten this insight into what professional professionals having sex are doing with themselves guys and girls Mm -hmm. and it is let me know what the public is doing more because they reveal themselves and their likes to you as a professional Mm -hmm. um, of sex and it's everybody's doing it everybody out there's doing it we've all got buttholes they're all fun you put things in them doesn't make you gay it's just your butt yeah I mean and men are so afraid of any kind of challenge to their masculinity right it's because of that like trying to ostracize people for being different than that mm-hmm. we've been taught through our, you know, male modeling through society. Yeah. Mod- um, I can't think of what that's called right now. Doesn't matter. Um, but just looking at those male archetypes of like, you need to be this, you need to be masculine, mm-hmm. you can't do this. And like, God, there, there's been cross-dressing and drag and homosexuality and things throughout the ages forever. And it just became like, you had to hide these parts of of this because it wasn't considered manly enough. Right. And so people and, that are afraid of losing their standing is the man. Right. And it's an interesting insight into, you know, because so often, especially like on this show, you know, we talk about what's expected of women and like these roles that women must play and they must um, fit into and how they are pigeonholed. But, you know, we're talking about men experience the same thing. And I think that a lot of times we don't talk about that because we're so caught up in like what women are dealing with. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think it's like a really great insight into, you know, the idea that like, yeah, you guys also like have these standards that you're supposed to live up to that that may not fit in with who you are. And you can't and you feel ashamed about coming out and embracing your your own sexuality. Yeah, exactly. There's, you know, how much porn do guys watch that is not considered bi porn. It's not labeled as bi porn. It's not labeled as gay porn when they're watching two women have sex mm-hmm. or a guy and two women have sex. Yeah. But if you watch two guys and a girl have sex, like all of a sudden it goes into a different category. Yeah. Like categorically, we've been telling people that they're different or outside if they enjoy this sort of thing. So mm-hmm. like that programming goes real deep in, yeah. in our marketing and how we sell things. It's yeah. Like, it's real hard to get over. Yeah. And it just keeps existing. I remember an ex of mine who was actually like a dom. It was the only S&M relationship I've ever had. And he was always on top. Like, you know, there was no way he was ever going to play a sub. But he even told me once that, you know, having his prostate massaged through anal stimulation was something that he really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the time, you know, this is like I don't know, 10 years ago or something. Actually, no, it's not 10 years ago. Is it? Yes. Yes. Fuck, dude. I'm so old. (laughs) Sorry. Um, And I remember like not being able to wrap my head around the idea that this like incredibly dominant masculine man was basically kind of trying to introduce to me the idea of me 
doing some anal stuff on him, but in a submissive way. And I was like, how does that work? Right. It's confusing and I just, here. yeah. And I just totally wrote that up. I was like, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. So, all right, we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about some other things. I like things and stuff. <laughs> Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by the Calm app. I am so excited to welcome back Calm as a sponsor because I am truly in love with this company. Calm is a meditation app that, in my opinion, is the best one on the market. And believe me, I've tried pretty much all of them. And it's actually not just about meditation. Calm is what they call sleep stories, which are like bedtime stories for adults, narrated by voices you know, like LeVar Burton. Yes, the guy from Reading Rainbow. That was seriously my favorite show as a kid. And if meditation seems a little too intimidating as a practice for now, they have programs that can just help you relax with soothing music by artists such as Sam Smith and simple breathing exercises. No lotus poses or incense necessary. Stress is one of the top health issues in today's adult population. So set yourself a simple New Year's resolution to decrease it. Even just five minutes a day can make a world of difference. The best part is my listeners get a special 40% discount on a subscription to the Calm app. So just go to calm.com slash holly and get access to the entire library plus new content added weekly. Join over 60 million people on a journey to a less anxious, more rested state of mind. That's calm, C-A-L-M dot com slash holly to get 40% off for a limited time only. Holly Randall Unfiltered is also brought to you by Care of Vitamins. You guys, it's a new year, a new decade. Make 2020 the year to prioritize your health. And no, I don't mean those unrealistic goals to join a gym or go on a juice fast. I mean, not saying you won't do those things, but let's start with something easy. It's an incredibly easy New Year's resolution and a more than attainable one to get on a dedicated vitamin regimen. This is where a custom tailored plan comes in thanks to Care of Vitamins. All you have to do is go to their website, takecareof.com, take an easy online five-minute quiz about your health and lifestyle, and they will create the perfect blend of vitamins that your body needs so badly. No more spending hundreds of dollars at the vitamin store and then having to constantly organize everything into bulky pillboxes that you'll never remember to take with you. Care of Vitamins does all the work and then ships the vitamins straight to your door. They come in slim little pouches that you can grab on your way out the door. No plastic Monday through Sunday pillboxes to deal with. These vitamins are my absolute cannot live without life hack. They help me with my digestion, energy levels, mood, sleep, you name it. It's the easiest way to be a healthier you in 2020. And to help you kick off the new year, Care of Vitamins has a special limited time offer for my listeners, 50% off your first box. Go to TakeCareOf.com and use my code HOLLY50 for 50% off of your first box. That's TakeCareOf.com and use code HOLLY50. Take care of your body with Care Of Vitamins. Okay, we're back. So... You also um, have been getting into photography. I have been getting into photography. So tell us. My a little father about that. was a photographer and cinematographer. He actually did the all of the underwater cinematography for Piranha for Roger Corman. Oh wow! Yeah, and for Humanoids of the Deep. 
And I got to say, with my limited experience with underwater photography, it is significantly more difficult than (laughs) photography above the water. So he must be very good. He he was pretty good. It was all film stuff when he did it. He, you know, he has since retired to the love, the fact that you can go a hundred feet deep with a point and shoot camera that costs like $250 now and get great photos because there's also a built in flash that like, you don't need all these stupid external flash things. Yeah. I got lighting, lighting in certain light waves only penetrate a certain depth in the Mm -hmm. ocean. And so when you get down past a certain point, you have to add in light to make the beautiful corals Mm -hmm. show up like, like they're supposed to in the beautiful fish. Mm. Um, And so surprisingly enough, pink shows up much deeper. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. These are all things I'm not (laughs) too familiar with. Um, But it's, it's just such a pain in the ass to deal with a camera housing that is large enough to deal with an SLR camera. Um, you know, a lot of the digital cameras now overheat when they are in enclosed spaces like that. Mm. So that becomes a problem. Like it's just had, oh, so many problems that yeah. come along with it. But you get such cool photos, dude. Yeah. So many cool photos. I mean, it's a whole other like alien world. It is. A, have you ever scuba dived? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is. I'm certified. Great. It is so wonderful. Yeah. The, 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 so the underwater photography I did, I did in Mexico and my friend Luke is an underwater photographer Mm -hmm. and he pretty much literally like set me up with his camera, his underwater housing, his big flashes Mm -hmm. on the side. Like it was a whole huge rig. And we went to um, Los Islotes, which is this place in La Paz where Mm -hmm. there's a lot of sea lions Mm -hmm. and if you go during the breeding season, that you have all these baby sea lion pups, and it's really cool. I climbed on that island one time. Oh God, you are not supposed to do that! They, I immediately got ran off by a very angry sea lion mother. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They will. They and it's interesting too when you play with the babies. The the father, the bulls, will just circle you. Mm-hmm. Keep their distance. They want. They're just watching you. Right. You know, you just gotta make sure you right. ain't parents you know. watching the kids on a playground. Exactly, but it is it is a little intimidating to be reminded that there's this huge creature right there that's just kind of like, you know. You can kind of touch and, you know, as, but don't get too aggressive. Don't get too touchy with my kids. It's, but it's, um, I actually did, took a picture of a sea lion that was the most incredible photo that ended up making it to like the front page of Reddit, which, and it was a total accident because I like could barely see and I'm having a hard time keeping my buoyancy and handling this huge mm-hmm. camera. And the sea lion just like swam up to me and just like kind of paused. And I got this, I'll, I'll find the photo and show it to you. But it's literally like this perfect postcard picture. And I don't know how the fuck I got it. And my friend was so mad. He's like, I've been doing this for years and I've never gotten a photo like this. But it was pure luck. It was 100% pure luck because I had no idea what I was doing. A gift from the sea lion. It was. It was. And it was so cool too because there was this. One of them, because they're like dogs, you know, the babies, and they had stolen a snorkel from somebody (laughs) and they were chasing each other around like it was a stick. And so they were like chasing each other through the water and one would drop it and the other one would grab it. It was the and I got pictures of it all. It was so so cute. But yeah, underwater photography is amazing, but it is a whole other thing that I, I don't think I have the energy to, to get into. See now, so Nikon makes a, a, Point and shoot camera mm. that shoots raw photos, and they, which means you can just adjust all of that extra like blue out of your photos, right. so you 
like bring the colors back up like you're supposed to. Yeah. You don't need as much flash because you can adjust the exposure and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it shoots 4K video. Wow. So and it's like under $500 and it fits in your, like in your BC pocket or something. Right. And yeah. so like you don't have to have this thing that is so like cumbersome to your like nice diving in space experience. Yeah. Like, you really just want to be having that and occasionally take pictures. Yeah. Um, do you do a lot of diving? I used to, so my dad was the lead instructor for NAWI. Oh, wow. And he actually wrote a lot of the instructor's manuals. <laughs> so I have been scuba diving since I was four years old. Oh, that's so cool. A picture of me underneath his arm, like breathing out of the octopus regulator. Underwater oh my God, photo. that's so great. Um, at Losi's Lotes, I have video of me riding on the back of a 14 foot wide manta ray when the manta rays would still come around. Oh my God. Uh, God, I love that place. We have a, a friend, Fernando, owns a resort down in La Paz. Okay. So he'd go down and take his dive boats, which is incidentally how we He also- probably knows my friend Luke. I can probably. almost guarantee that they know each other because yeah. Luke's like been a big figure there and he runs like a diving thing. And love yeah, they, and La Paz is so small. Oh, it's so small. Everybody there it's knows so each other. He, uh, Fernando is the place that has the water desalinization plant on his resort. Okay. So like all of the desalinized water down there comes from him. Okay. Yeah. I'll- so un- certainly everyone yeah. knows Fernando. Yeah. For sure. That's so cool. Okay, so anyways, back to your photography. We just went on this whole tangent about underwater <laughs> well, photography. photography. Uh, you know, so been- it's, it's one of the ways that I've gotten, because my dad has always like taught me, like, hey, if you don't have a picture of it, probably didn't happen, right? Mm. So it's like, I've always had a camera with me. I always carried things with me. Um, and I just See, carried that into my adult life when I when I would, I really always enjoyed taking photos. And Mm -hmm. once I got into adult films, then I was around professionals taking photos. Mm. If you think I'm not going to absorb the knowledge that you are so freely showing to me, you were incorrect. Yeah. (laughs) See people like you and I who come from before social media was rampant Mm -hmm. um, and who've been taking photos since before you had Facebook or other places to post it. I feel like, we appreciated photos because of what they really are, which is capturing a moment in time. And so sometimes when people say to me like, oh, do you have to take a picture of this? Or do you have to take a picture of that for Instagram or whatever? It's like, I've always been this way. I've always taken a lot of photos of everything. I just now have like an online platform that I can put it on. But before the internet came along, I have 12 photo albums that are absolutely filled from when I was like the age of 12 all the way through high school. So I've always taken a ton of photos. It's just now easier because we have these cameras in our phones, which are in our pockets. And then we have these platforms to put them on. But for me, photography has always been a really special, special thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I I have a thing with like time and like the passing of time and the fear of passing of time and, and losing moments and losing memories. And so photography for me has always been a way to like, capture that and to freeze that moment in time. So what does it have for you? Like what about photography is special for you? I love showing people the beauty that exists everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's like great pictures don't come from a studio and they don't come from landscape and they don't come from any certain spot. Like you, the, you can find beauty in the dirtiest spots on the street as you can also in paradise. Mm. And so like, I just want to show people that if you take a moment to stop and look at where you are, you'll find something beautiful around you. Mm-hmm. Um, just enjoy it. It's, it's really nice here. It's an interesting way of looking at the world. And it's incredible how 
different people can shoot the same scene and make it look completely different just through depth of field and angles and coloring. And, you know, I, I, I will admit that I am very much a controlled environment photographer. I almost always work in a controlled environment with studio lighting and assistants and models and makeup and all that kind of thing. Um, I've always really admired people who are really great at, you know, quote unquote street photography or reportage photography, people who can take a scene as it is and not manipulate it in any way, but be able to capture that scene and show it in a beautiful way. I feel like that's something that I would like to improve upon. And I'm always really admirable. No, I'm always really admire people who can do that. What is your style of photography? So I started out shooting without flash. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my dad had taught me photography and got me interested in it. And I took classes in high school. I took uh, just a regular photo class. So I learned how to develop film and do all that teach you the rule of thirds and just general Mm -hmm. photography stuff. And then um, I also took a digital imaging class. So I, that was like when some of the first digital cameras were coming out and I learned Photoshop a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just many years down the road, I got my own SLR camera. I bought the Mark II and I just started tooling around with that and just, you know, creating images. And I, when I finally understood what raw is and what I was able to do with that because of the extreme adjustability and not just like how far you can go with each thing, but how, how individual each adjustment is Mm -hmm. in the photo, it made me realize what it was that I wanted to see and not see in my photos. Mm. And so I sort of reverse taught myself. It's like, I'm like, if I look at a batch of my photos, they all kind of look the same because I like highlights in certain places and I like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a photographer style. Right. And so it started showing me my style through editing my photos. And I was able to realize like, oh, when I did that, I like, I remember this. When I did this, it created this. When I did this, it created this. And so it was never a matter of having to set lights up. It was a matter of like, why did I take this photo? You know, learn why you take the photo. And then you can make anything that's there work if you know what you're trying to get out of your shot. Mm. Um, you know, you even even in bad lighting conditions. Oh, that's that's another thing. Is like bad lighting conditions are just a challenge. Mm-hmm. And the photos that I have grown up looking at that truly caused emotional reactions in me are not always in focus. They're not always clear. Sometimes they're very grainy. Sometimes they're terrible. But (laughs) you know what? Like, I remember them forever. Yeah. And so, like, don't, like, take the picture anyway. Right. You know, it's it's okay. You can go back, and especially with technology now, like, you can probably create a beautiful piece of art out of it if you were able to capture the moment. Mm -hmm. So it's like, ask yourself why you're taking that photo. I wanted to capture this moment. Mm -hmm. And, like, why did, you can ask yourself why you wanted to capture that moment later. Like, Start examining your photos. Like, why did I take this picture this way? Why did I, how did I get here? Oh, because like, what do I like about this? This line makes me look this way. What do I get at when I look at this line? If I squint my eyes like this, what do I see? I just see a bunch of shapes. Why do I like these shapes? Mm. Like just constructing and deconstructing your little piece of art that you could try so many times over and over and over again. Yeah. It's it's interesting that you say that because I... Very, I very much grew up 
shooting everything to make it perfect in camera, right? That's how I was trained because I, I learned on film. Mm-hmm. So you Expensive. had to, yeah. yeah, and you had to, like you couldn't, you didn't have the adjustability that, that we have nowadays. And I'm very much a person who's, it's easy for me to get stuck in a rut and to do things the same all the time because it's always worked for me. And something that I feel like I need to embrace more is recognizing the adjustability of the image afterwards, like you said. And only like somewhat recently have I been able to forgive strong highlights in the raws because I recognize that I can take them down later and and make it look better. I mean, obviously, like acknowledging the histogram and knowing that like when you've lost all detail, you've lost all detail. But, but if you keep it within a certain range, there's a lot that you can do. But also changing your style completely enough to be like, no, get rid of detail. Mm -hmm. This was an accident and I have to make it work. I I had this one chance and I failed. I have this weird photo now that's lit really weird. How can I turn this into art? How can I make this something worth keeping? Because I can see the shape here and like what was going on, that was it. And that was my moment. So like, what can make this beautiful? Like turn it into a, like a vector. Can I turn it into like, I need this piece of this face. And like, mm-hmm. there's so many, there's so many uses for a photograph that people aren't like truly embracing. I feel it's like, just, just take the photo. Yeah. Do something cool with it later. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's so true. Do you have a particularly favorite photograph that you've taken and, and what does it mean to you? I, yes, I think it's the largest photo of mine that I have printed and it's like four feet big printing and it is of, let's see if I can pull it up. Ooh, I want to see it. It's definitely on my Instagram, Um, but it is of when I went to Jamaica, they rode, did some horseback riding Mm -hmm. and you also get to swim through in the ocean on the back of a horse. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, holy shit, I didn't know horses were like that proficient at swimming, especially yeah. enough to let a human ride them while you do it. Wow, that's amazing. And so the image is of me, um, the image is of me on the back of a horse. So you see the back of a horse's head just like you were riding it. Mm-hmm. And then up in front of me is another uh, native Jamaican dude kind of looking back, just sort of scowling at me and like, like, my horse's ears are back and like, it looks like a, it's just kind of a hectic situation. And like, we're swimming out into the ocean. So you're just like, it's like how did you get there? What is happening? Yeah. You'll see. You'll see. That Beautiful. sounds, I mean, it's like a national geographic photo. Yeah. I was going to say that sounds like an incredible experience. So being able to capture that, you know, we, we have so many amazing experiences in our life and being able to capture that in a, in a photo and freeze that moment in time is something that's so difficult to do. And saying that I often strive for, but it's like trying to strike that balance between being present in the moment and enjoying it mm-hmm. um, and not viewing everything through the lens of your camera, but also being able to capture it so that you can have, you know, that, that moment to reflect back upon yeah. and create art out of something, this is out one of an my experience. It's one of my favorite concepts that I've done, which was curtains in the desert. Oh my gosh. I love that. I got to say curtains as a framing tool is so great for so so many different, so many reasons. reasons. I've, that's something that I learned from my mother, actually Mm. just bring in some stands with some drapes and create kind of a frame with drapes and you can completely change the look and give so much depth and dimension to a scene. 
it's oh, actually a really uh, a really great tool, and I don't utilize it nearly enough as I should. I used to do it quite a bit, but you know, these days, a lot of times it's these just days. rushing through stuff. Uh, I don't know if I can find it right now. Anyway, you'll see it later. It's, okay, yes, yeah, send it to me. It yes. sounds amazing. I just want to look at it with my eyes now. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like so frustrating because you can't find it. It's annoying how Instagram kind of, oh, I guess they do. They let you do the, uh, I was going to say they don't let you pin stuff to the top of your profile, but they, they do with the the story bubbles or whatever they are. I feel like the, sometimes things just get deleted, which is crazy. Do you have, you don't have Instagram attacking your profile very often, do you? Not my Soulthy Vision profile mm. because it's all, you know, like I, I don't show nipples. I don't show nudity. Like I show people in lingerie, but I make sure that you cannot see yeah. butt cracks. And like, you know, I just play their game. Yeah. With Michael Vegas, occasionally things get taken down and flagged, but it, they're very rarely things that actually had anything wrong with them. Just people yeah. reporting and complaining. Yeah. So I feel like it's this weird homeostasis that I've hit. It's like, okay, like this guy's not actually violating the rules. People are just complaining. We'll take this post down warn him like it's going to get his account taken away but like yeah I, I, wrong in the first place I so. mean I know that you know that that happens so often to mm-hmm. porn performers where they get posts taken down for like literally no good reason mm-hmm. it's just ridiculous it's because they're not posting enough other interesting content hmm. post more than just your nude self hmm. be entertaining show world travel show all of these things right do you think that they take that into account? Because I actually rarely have problems with my account, but I post a lot more than just pictures mm-hmm. like my work. I post pictures of me and my friends, me and my family, podcast. Like, if you look at it, it doesn't look like a porn profile right. necessarily. It looks like somebody's life with that sprinkled in. And right, I wonder exactly. if that's what makes a difference. I think that does make a big difference. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Sneak it in. Sneak it in. Well, Michael, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. This we, was such a great experience. This, we could talk forever. We could. And I feel like you really have opened my eyes to the idea of pegging. Yes, it's working. And I I will admit that I have definitely come at it with um, a bias, a personal bias. And it's not your fault because we we're all trained that way. Yeah. But but I really, I really like the things that you said. And I think that you're doing a great thing. And I think that you're really helping people you know, explore their sexuality in a shameless way, which is something I've always advocated Mm -hmm. for. But, you know, um, it's easy to say like, all of you guys should do things that, you know, you want to, and that you're not ashamed about. But then, you know, when it comes to your own personal reflection and your own personal biases, sometimes one's not so willing to, to look at those, Mm -hmm. you know, with the eye that perhaps they should be explored with. So. Yeah. It's 2020, everybody. Get weird. Dude, it fucking is. It is 2020. Oh, my God. It's scary. It's scary. Who are you voting for? I'm going to vote for Bernie Sanders. He has had a voting record in history of standing up for what he has been saying he's been standing up for. He has has been so consistent. And he... You know, he, there's been this blackout in the media of Bernie Sanders and how well he's actually doing. And they show old, old polls of him going up against Biden, but he is the most likely to beat Biden right now. Really? Yes. He is the best chance for the nominee right now, including in Nevada and Iowa, which is huge. And so, like, you know, people are starting to say it. It's, he has so much, he has such a big movement behind him mm-hmm. that 
people are starting to look like fools for ignoring him intentionally. I love Bernie. I love Bernie. Sanders. My boyfriend worked on his campaign in his last, his last run. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just, I'm such a big fan. I love what he stands for. I love how just honest and direct he is. And he just feels like somebody who's consistent in what he believes in and, and somebody who can't be bought. So I'm, I'm very pro Bernie. Yeah. Not one politician I have seen give a speech has delivered something with this much connectedness and passion to the people he was talking to. And like, it does, he feels like he is going to work for the people to me. And yeah. it truly feels like he's like, like Bernie doesn't give a fuck. He's been telling you this since forever. Yeah. And so listen up, everybody. He knows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, get out. But the real point is get out and everybody vote. get out and vote. No matter who you No matter who you, you vote want. for, even if you want to go vote for Trump, which I would not support, <laughs> I say go do it. Because yeah. the real problem in all of this is it has been proven that Russia has interfered in our elections and election interference is interfering with actual democracy. Mm-hmm. And that's the real fucking scary thing about this. And like Pick whatever candidate you want, but consider picking one that will look into Russian election interference that has been proven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to think about. All right, people, go out and vote. Also, go check out Michael on peghim.com or peg him tonight, where you can sign up and get yourself fucked in the butt by someone with a strap on. <laughs> or maybe Dick. I don't know. Just get fucked in the butt. You'll like it. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at I-T-S-M-I-C-H-A-E-L-V-E-G-A-S. That's It's Michael Vegas. Or you can find me on Instagram, Michael Vegas. Or Instagram, The Soul Thief Vision. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Michael, for coming on. Thank you guys for watching. You can find me at Holly Randall on Instagram and on Twitter. Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash Unfiltered to support the show. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening to my show. If you're a longtime listener or a new one, I've got a lot of interviews. So make sure you check out everything from the beginning of my catalog because there's some real gems back in the early days of the show. And if you enjoy this show, there's a couple of things that you can do to support it. First of all, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, rate me five stars and leave a review. It's incredibly helpful to get my show up in the charts. Secondly, you can join my Patreon for as little as $5 a month and watch the interviews stream live, which by the way, gives you access to my episodes way before anyone else. You can also get signed prints, books, merchandise, such as shirts and mugs, access to my private Snapchat, and a free membership to my website, hollyrandall.com. Plus I offer tons of bonus content. Q&A with your favorite guests that you cannot hear on the free platforms. And of course, my exclusive bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life, that I do with my production manager, Eva. It gives you a real and hilarious insight into what it takes to run a small porn company like mine. Because trust me, my job, though stressful, awkward, and facepalm ridiculous as it is sometimes, well, it's never boring. And we definitely give you the juicy behind-the-scenes dish that you can't get anywhere else. Plus, Eva's dating life is absolutely hilarious, and she holds nothing back. So, 
Go to patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered and join the community. Your support helps me in my journey to change people's minds about the adult industry and hopefully the lives of the people in it. Next week on the podcast, I have the beautiful Emma Hickson. I'm very excited to have her in the studio. I've had a lot of people request her and I have a whole list of questions for her, many of them, which you actually supplied to me. So make sure that you come back next week for Emma Hicks on Holly Randall Unfiltered. Unfiltered.